Kia ora, I'm Alex Ashton, and today on The Detail, can rich foreigners buy political influence in New Zealand? Based on the shake-handed smile pictures I've seen around, um, certainly you can get next to decision-makers and people in power with being a donor. Whether that translates into actual influence over government policy, I don't know, but it raises the prospect that maybe it's happening. Basically, you don't criticise your friends, and donating money creates a relationship that is long-term, enduring, and of the form of friendship. Our electoral rules are supposed to cap overseas donations at $1,500, but as we've seen, people find their way around the rules. New Zealand's spy agencies have warned they know of troubling foreign donations and relationships right across the political spectrum at local and central government. It comes amid fresh focus on a $150,000 donation to the National Party from a company owned by a foreign racing mogul. In 2018, Labour got $170,000 in donations, $900 of which was from overseas. National, on the other hand, received $740,000, none from overseas. In 2017, election year, Labour pulled in $1.6 million, all from domestic donors, whereas National managed to bring in $4.6 million, 20000 of which was from overseas. So what are the rules for foreign donors? Simon Chappell is the director of Victoria University's Institute for Governance and Policy Studies. The maximum amount of a foreign donation is $1,500 and any amount donated by a foreign person or foreign company over $1,500 either goes back to the donor or to the electoral commission if the donor can't be identified. Foreign donations under $1,500 are not individually reported and available to the public, but the total amount that comes from that source is recorded by the Electoral Commission. There is no upper limit for domestic donations. New Zealand citizens, residents and companies can donate however much they like. All local donations over $15,000 have to be reported to the Electoral Commission and publicly disclosed. So it's a complex situation with different uh, amounts requiring different forms of disclosure according to how high they are and whether they're made anonymously to the party or non-anonymously to the party. With foreign donations, they're kept at $1,500, right? Correct. How can foreign states or corporations work around that? Because as we've seen, it can be done. Yeah, well, there's several ways of doing it, for example. You can get a proxy or proxies in New Zealand and use those proxies to, to donate above or under the cap. You can do what appears to have been done in, in the case of uh, Yukon um where $100,000 was donated to the National Party, and it looks like that amount, judging by the transcripts that we've seen, uh, publicly available transcripts, was split. So it would come in under the $15,000 threshold required to publicly disclose its sources. For the credit, how are you? Good, buddy, good. What, 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 what you been up to? Anything exciting? Oh, I've just been meeting with a few people this afternoon. Remember this infamous phone recording? You know, at Paul Goldsmith Function, you saw those two Chinese guys, Zhang Yikun and Colin. Uh, you had dinner at their home. Um, yes. They talked to you uh, about a $100,000 uh, donation. That is yep. now in. Um, what would you like done with it? It's currently sitting in a Botany Electric account. Mm, gee, that's 
good. I need to. But I'll say, by the way, on that, just before we get to that, I promised them that uh, that we would have dinner at my place, so you should come. I mean, you know, we might as well make a bit of fun of it. Actually, the only thing that would be good is if they bought the wine because they've got better wine. Um, <laughs> It's important to note here that Yi Kun Zhang is a New Zealand resident who's lived here for nearly 20 years. So he's able to donate as he pleases. National turned independent MP Jamie Lee Ross says his former boss, Simon Bridges, wanted that $100,000 donation broken up so it could go under the radar. Remember, local donations over 15000 can't be done anonymously. Mr Bridges denies the claims, but the serious fraud office is investigating. You could do what appears to have been done in the case of the Inner Mongolian Horse Riding Company, is to have a wholly New Zealand-owned company can donate as much as it wants into the New Zealand political system, even though that company may be entirely foreign-owned. New Zealand Herald investigative reporter Matt Nippert broke that story last week. A tale of a $150,000 donation from a New Zealand company, owned by a Chinese company, owned by a man named Lang Lin. Who is Lang Lin? Well, I mean, uh, he was described in the house yesterday by Jamie Lee Ross as a Mongolian oligarch. Does anyone really believe that a Mongolian oligarch wants to, out of the goodness of his heart make six-figure donations to a political party after meeting the person who has responsibility for the very policy that he's interested in when it comes to the exporting of livestock. I don't think he did so out of the goodness of his heart. Um, He appears to be a reasonably big wheel in the Chinese horse industry. I think he runs China's largest horse farm. Uh, He exports air freight, this is quite interesting, Um, sort of fills two planes every year uh, and flies them fills them with horses and flies them over to China, uh, where he on-sells them to um, people in China interested in horses. But um, certainly he's a, he's a wealthy man, looks to be doing $2, 3000000 million of business here, employs five staff. So, you know, in, in the scale of things, quite a small local business. But um, certainly uh, he appears to love being pictured with MPs of various stripes. Again, I should point out this donation was handled entirely within the laws. And the question isn't whether this was illegal. It's not. It's totally legal. But it's whether the the laws governing this sort of behaviour are are sufficient to capture the the obvious concerns. The story that you've seen in the news today is outside the spirit of the law. Um, We do have legal protections in place to try and prevent uh, foreign interference in our elections through large... Uh, monetary donations, uh, and that includes limits on the uh, size of individual donations. Uh, and, and really, what we've, this example that's being seen uh, really is outside the spirit of what the law intends to achieve. When this was announced by the National Party, I think they declared it in May 2017. Um, it did raise my eyebrows because it was a it was a big donation. I think I went through the. Uh, the records for the last term, between 14 and 17, this was the largest single donation national than the governing party received. It was clearly a New Zealand-registered company, but um, it also had, uh, obviously, foreign ownership. I think 100% was the was Mr. Mr. Lang's uh, horse rider group based in China. Uh, what we didn't know until this week, uh, started poking around, is the degree to which uh, a minister at the time, uh, Todd McClay, was involved. Um, I mean, he's... 
sort of denying any uh, wrongdoing in this, but, I mean, he has confirmed the key facts. That, are uh, one, he, he met Mr Lang in Beijing while he was Trade Minister. He says the donation wasn't discussed then. Then uh, some months later, he, he invited Mr Lang to his electorate in Rotorua, where um, a donation was discussed. And then when uh, sort of the home stretch negotiations were taking place, um, Mr McClay was in the room when calls were made to determine how the money should be paid. And finally, the money was paid into a bank account controlled by his Rotorua electorate. So really, from woe to go, um, pun intended, given we're talking about horses, you know, Todd McClay was involved. Now, of course, you know, he has argued that he was wearing different hats at different parts of this process, which, you know, does raise some issues. Did you act outside the spirit of the law no. in courting that donation? The Prime Minister says you have. No, I don't believe that I have. Uh, in uh, 2016, I was on a visit to China. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs asked me to meet with a visiting delegation of New Zealand Chinese representatives of the racing industry. They arranged the meeting on the day. Officials were there at all times. Uh, there was never any question about support for a political party raised. I mean, look, I think it's reasonably straightforward. You've got a situation where there was a disclosure a couple of years Years ago, it is a New Zealand company, uh, and there's no conflict of interest. But a company's office shows that that company is 100% owned by a Chinese company. Sure, but you know, the, the rules are the rules. Uh, it is a company, a New Zealand company, uh, and we disclose that. And so, in a sense, it's old news. What's being inferred here by Jamie Lee Ross? Well, in the House yesterday, he uh, said he didn't think Mr Lang made the donation out of the goodness of his heart. Um, I have to say, I did get a comment from Mr Lang uh, late last week, um, and he said he, he did it not expecting any return. I mean, it, it is, it's just hard to know what's going on. This episode raises two major issues. One is sort of the conflict of interest, um, sorry, potential or perceived conflict of interest of a minister involving themselves in receiving donations from someone that they sort of have oversight of areas of their business. And, and why is that? What's that Well, like? obviously, <laughs> this, this gentleman, Mr Langer, is involved in the export of horses, the trade of horses between New Zealand and China, and he's the trade minister. I mean, that's... Fairly, fairly obvious. So, I mean, there are provisions in the Cabinet Manual trying to, to govern this sort of carry-on, um, although it must be said there's, there's nothing said at all directly about political fundraising. Um, there's, a, there's stuff said about sort of personal benefit. That's definitely uh, not allowed. But so it's really up to the Prime Minister at the time to decide how much of this they're willing to tolerate. The second issue is the um, sort of our foreign donations regime, which Parliament, when they last considered this, decided they didn't want... Lots of money coming from foreign nationals. They said it's a hard limit of $1,500. That's with only two zeros. Um, but there are no such limits on donations from corporate entities, even if they are entirely controlled or owned by offshore interests. So, you know, hence $150,000 is able to flow perfectly legal from not directly Mr Lang, but his group <laughs> to the National Party. Yeah, this is a, a really prominent example, but do you think this is widespread? Oh, no, this, this is far more than uh, just Todd McClay or, indeed, the National Party. I think we've seen uh, Amory Brady's paper of Magic Weapons um, a couple of years ago pointed out um, sort of the large chunks of uh, China-linked cash flowing into our political system, largely following who was the governing party. So, yes, National had three terms. They were getting a lot of the cash. I would not be surprised at all to see the next round of disclosures um, that money flows being redirected uh, towards Labour and other parties of the current coalition government. But I think it's also worth pointing out this isn't just a national politics issue either. I mean, the, um, you had sort of rare public comment from the head of the uh, NZSIS saying they are 
have been concerned about state actors, their involvement in local and central government in terms of donations being paid. So this is very much a live issue. Back to Simon Chappell. So there's a variety of ways in which foreign actors, and these may be individuals, they may be foreign companies, uh, they may be foreign governments, can, in, in theory, donate effectively infinite amounts of money into New Zealand politics. Why would they want to? Well, um, presumably because there is a good reason to do so. Look, it's almost certain that none of these donations are buying any specific policy. What they're doing is creating uh, it's part of a form of gift exchange where long-term relationships are being created and, it, you know, it becomes... Um, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours as a long-term thing. So it creates a cosy little club where the pursuit of um, mutual advantage is, is seen as, as, as natural and normal and something that will continue over a long period. But what is the advantage on the other side? I, I get it for the party receiving the don- donation, but what does the, the foreign country or the, the overseas company get if it's not a policy or an, an ear into the office? Or Well, for example, I mean, let's just take the recent uh, the, sure. um, controversy over the uh, $150,000 from the Mongolian, uh, in a Mongolian horse riding company. I mean, that money was received, I understand, by Todd McClay. And Todd McClay is recorded in the newspaper on the stuff in 2018 saying abuses of human rights are a concern wherever they occur, says Todd McClay, and I'm quoting here, however, the existence and purpose of vocational training centres, and that's for Uyghurs, in the west of China is a domestic matter for the Chinese government. Now, whether or not, um, you know, chicken and egg, who knows? But you've got the person who is receiving or the primary person for making the connection for the large donation is soft peddling on human rights violations in China. Whether or not that's, that is being explicitly brought, and almost certainly it's not being explicitly brought, basically you don't criticise your friends. And donating money creates a relationship that is long-term, enduring, and of the form of friendship. And effectively... Um, you know, it's long-term mutually beneficial for both parties. But probably more importantly is the going forward. We've got an open stable door here, and that stable door needs to be shut. Um, if it is shown to, to, you know, continue to work, and if we do nothing about it, we're going to get more of it. We're in an environment where... Internationally, we've got more foreign governments who are actively intervening in in, uh, elections across the world. We're also in a situation where we've got a concentration of wealth and power in private corporations multinationally. And again, this is an open door for effectively um, corporations and and various forms of of, of kleptocrats to um, engage non-transparently in domestic politics and it's anti-democratic. So rather than saying this is really widespread, well, we really don't know, but looking forward, that door is wide open and there are likely to be more and more parties who are going to look at coming through it. But we do know in terms of reported donations of under $1,500, which is the way the Electoral Act currently defines foreign donations. There's not very much flowing through that route. What's the risk here? 
There's obviously the direct risk that, you know, we're in an environment where, um, you know, political parties struggle with funding. We're, we're outside the area of mass public participation in political parties. So they've got a big issue. How do they get their money to run their election campaigns? And the way that they have all responded is to seek funding. And that funding is going to disproportionately come from people with money. So the, the risk here is is the further tilting of a, an electoral system uh, and a, a party politics towards the interests of a small elite. The second problem here is, is just the matter of perception. If the public looks at our democratic process and perceives that as being unduly influenced by big money, we have a loss of faith, confidence and trust in our institutions. And again, long term, it's really important not only to have a set of institutions that support democracy, but that those institutions being seen to support a fair de- democratic process. So what are the options here in terms of change? Well, there's a couple of very big options. I, I think we should have a cap on maximum donations. Um, which we don't currently have. A lot of fellow, um, other Anglophone countries do have such a cap. And where would I, you cap it? It's a really good question, but I, you know, I, I, tens of thousands of dollars. You know, at, at the moment we've had situations where you know millionaires rather unsuccessfully have been putting millions into uh, uh, various failed political parties. But I would have thought tens of thousands of dollars was uh, sensible. I would lower the threshold at which. Donations can be made uh, anonymously to the public. We could go in the direction of Ireland, for example, when anyone who donates more than uh, 100 euro to a political party, um, uh, their names are publicly available Mm. and the amount that they donate. And the last thing that I would do is to go down the Canadian route and say only individuals who are enrolled on the New Zealand electoral roll can donate money. So this means... Business, New Zealand businesses, New Zealand NGOs, New Zealand trade unions, foreign businesses cannot put money into New Zealand politics. We don't give them the right to vote. Why should they have the right to try and influence the democratic process through the expenditure of money in the election? Others are also backing the call for a ban on foreign donations. The likes of National MP Nick Smith. Unless you are a citizen of New Zealand or a permanent resident, then in my view... You shouldn't be able to provide either funds to political parties or funds to campaigns that are designed to influence elections. And the Greens' Golriz Gurriman. A series of, of these stories have now come out over the past year or so where we've actually really realised that we're vulnerable not only to interference by foreign corporates and individuals but also just by big money. A ban is one of the options being mulled over by a select committee looking at the issue headed by Justice Minister Andrew Little. I think there are emerging issues about um, the way foreign donations can be concealed, but I'm waiting for the Justice Committee's conclusions on that issue. What about other comparable countries, the likes of Canada and the United Kingdom? How do New Zealand's donation rules compare to theirs? 
we're out on the limb in the sense that that um, uh, uh, most of our fellow anglophones have maximum caps. Ireland and Canada are, are, the, are the two that are on my mind have much lower thresholds for public disclosure uh, of the, the names of individual donors. And of course, if you push that threshold down, it becomes much harder to inject money into the system, large amounts of money by income splitting across a bunch of proxy donors. We probably have the softest regime compared to, to those countries in terms of ability of, of foreigners to donate. You can't donate in the United States if you're a foreign uh, individual or entity. In Canada, you can't, but there's a bit of a loophole. I won't go into the detail. Mm. In Ireland, you can't. The Australians have just put through rules that severely restrict uh, foreign donation. So we're a little bit out on a limb of being a, a soft touch at the moment. Parties do need to be able to raise money. I mean, they cannot run as volunteer operations. I think that would be... It's, you, you, you just couldn't run anything of that scale by volunteers. So there has to be some way of uh, funding these parties uh, and sort of more transparency is a really good first step to, to ensure that that money doesn't sort of corrupt the process. Is that state funding of parties? Well, I know that uh, certain parts of Labour have been keen on that in the past. Um, I think the Greens are also keen on that. I mean, it has been done overseas, um, but nationals kicked back pretty strongly at that, so I don't think um, it's on the horizon. Well, partly, I mean, if you're cynical, it could be... (laughs) They tend to be better at um, that sort of high-level fundraising than Labour. Um, So they may see uh, it's the current setup as more advantageous than a state funding. But, I mean... Philosophically, there's also issues around uh, state funding. I mean, will that just lock in parties that already have representation? I mean, how would you work in mechanisms for, uh, you know, genuine grassroots movements? Would they be not funded until they get to the House? That may mean you sort of never see new parties emerging, which I don't think we'd like to see either. Do you think, all things considered, that you can buy influence in New Zealand? Um, In the sense of... You know, change this line of the law, otherwise I won't give you this $100,000? No. In terms of having the ear of a minister or having the ear of a government and, you know, being an insider, and I think that's what's being bought, the notion of, you know, in a sense you're purchasing your way into an informal club. Yes, it does exist. I don't know about influence. I think you can definitely buy access if you're a big donor, um you will. Uh, you can put your call through to the party, and I imagine uh, your email will go into a separate folder <laughs> from uh, sort of random internet trolls. And certainly, you know, based on the uh, shake hand and smile pictures I've seen around, um, certainly you can get next to decision makers and people in power with being a donor. I mean, this is an issue. This sort of the, that level of access, whether that translates into actual influence over government policy, I don't know. But it raises the prospect that maybe it's happening. Mm. And you know, in a in a world where you know New Zealand is ranked was it number one least corrupt country in the world, that ranking is based on perceptions of corruption. So perceptions are arguably just as important as the reality here. I mean, if people start thinking that um, you know our politicians can be seen to be bought, um, then really trust and faith in the political system starts to crumble. And I think that would have that would be a terrible outcome and something we really need to guard against. That's the detail for today. I'm Alex Ashton. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz, made possible by the RNZ NZ On Air Innovation Fund. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. And if you're on Apple, please leave a rating, as it helps other listeners find us. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Sharon Brett-Kelly. Our associate producer is Kathaki Masalamani.
Kakite Anu. 